Yo, Eagles Nation, stand up. How'd Barkley put it? <laughs> Looking like another grease pole night in Philly. 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 Facts. Gentlemen, boys and girls, come one, come all. Welcome to episode 29 of the Grease Paul Podcast. Appreciate you taking part. As always, you can follow along at Grease Paul Podcast on Instagram. Subscribe, rate, and review. All episodes are available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five stars if you think it rocks. One if you think it sucks. Whatever you feel, any feedback is better than none. Share the links out if you dig it. Thanks so much for uh, for taking part. In the pod and in this episode as well, Black Monday, I'm wearing all black. I feel like I'm dressed for a funeral because that's that's the vibe all day after just a complete disaster yesterday against uh, what I thought was the worst team in the NFC East. But hey, look in the mirror, it may be us. Who knows? Jesus Christ, what a day. A lot to get into for this episode. But before we do, happy thoughts, happy thoughts. Justin, we've got a new episode of Gear Freaks for the people tomorrow. Yes, hot debate. Uh, we were talking about, you know, shifting <laughs> up the schedule, but I thought of something. Yes. Uh, the the idea is, or the scheduled episode is uh, Zach Hilton. Yes. Survivor Series is this Sunday. Okay. Okay. Boom. Perfect. I didn't even think so of that, that in works. our discussion. So that I didn't, and I didn't even. I see. I know November. Yeah. Is Survivor Series month, but right around uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. The, the yearly tradition, or whatever the hell the that, saying. Is. Right. Right. So now it's what because King of the Ring is now R.I.P., which sucks. Ish. Uh, they had one last year. Baron Corbin won it. Ugh. And then they're gonna have a Queen of the Ring this year. Hey now. Yeah. Okay. So now it's what Rumble. Mania, obviously. Rumble, Rumble Mania, Survivor Series, and SummerSlam Summer are the big four, and I'd argue that Money in the Bank is, is up there, right up there with it. Yeah, the fifth. That makes sense. That's always been a fun one. Like before, when Punk walked and I walked with him, that was always one I got jazzed up for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Backlash is back still, right? Yes, Backlash has been on and off again over the last couple of years. Like. Uh, they brought it back whenever they did the brand split in 2016. I was at the first one because it was in Richmond. That's right. RVA represent 804. And then they were they did it again the next year, and then I think it missed the next year, and then they brought it again this year. I don't remember. Okay, but so it's, they're they're it's backish. Okay, <laughs> well that's it's it's something. Yeah, I always dug backlash, man. With the big they had they had the Sith dude <laughs> back when 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 they cared sets about right. Entrances, let's make them look yeah. different other yeah. than arena LEDs. That's what made me ha- happy about Halloween Havoc this year. Oh, set. I was like, dude. Oh, yay. That, right, what a concept. Like, yeah. just that little bit of effort, man, yeah. makes a long. WCW was the best at that. And WWFE, too, was good. And then I guess they just stopped caring anymore. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so wrestling talk on Gear Freaks. Yeah, man, we, we get into it with Zach Hilton about his wrestling career, about his his gear specifically. Uh, we talk about wrestling gear and its importance to a presentation of a wrestler. Right. It's a conversation 
that if you know me and Zach makes perfect sense. <laughs> but uh, if if you're new to this show or if even if you're a fan of this show, then it's going to come out of left field. Yeah, it's, it's definitely different, man. But different is good. Different is yeah. not a bad thing. And there's it's cool, man, because hearing Zach, who was in the business, like you wouldn't think, man, that that somebody that's going out there, that they put so much thought into mm-hmm. what they're rocking in the ring. But I mean, again, it's all part of the presentation, and the character or whatever. So it makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. It's just cool to hear somebody tell you, like, hey, no, you're not on drugs. It's a thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's a thing. It matters. This is what this character would wear here. Yeah. And so, it, it yeah, it makes sense. And it ended up being a, a great conversation. He's a he's a great dude. Yes. So I'm looking forward to uh, more people getting to know Zach. For sure. So check it out at Gear Freaks Pod on IG and Twitter. Subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, the Gear Freaks podcast is available on all podcast platforms. Share the word about that as well. It's definitely uh, definitely a blast. Justin and myself are getting ready to talk NHL reverse retro sweaters uh, after this episode. That will drop in a couple a couple weeks. Super pumped up to talk about 31 new hockey sweaters. So follow along at Gear Freaks Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Again, subscribe, rate, and review. Available on all platforms. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Not so fired up to talk about this shitty football team. Uh, You know, I didn't know that it was possible to be more bummed out than the Dallas game again, but that was a win. It's like, okay, we look terrible, but it was a dub. All right. Then you go into the bye. You can relax, you know, last Sunday and, and, and watch football without worrying about stressing yourself to death. Unless you're a fantasy nerd, then you care about that stupid shit. But we come back this week off a of bye. You're starting to get guys back, right? Guys are starting to come back healthy now. So Jalen Rager, Dallas Goddard, as we discussed on the episode, last episode, they're back. Miles Sanders is now back. Alshon Jeffrey is back. Lane Johnson's back. Jason Peters is back. Okay. There is now. Now, there's no the injury, whatever side of the fence you're on, excuse slash reason is no longer a factor in yesterday's game against the Giants that are 2-7 and seven entering yesterday's game. Leading into the game, all you heard was, that the birds had won eight straight games against the giants for the That was the dominant narrative. The Eagles have won eight straight games against the giants. The giants haven't beat them since 2016, Eli Manning, blah, blah, blah. And, and whenever you hear that, if, if you've been watching football for long enough, it, it, it'll worry you if you're on a certain side of that spectrum, because it's just like a field goal, like a kicker, right? Whenever, whenever they trot out, your team trots out the kicker, and he's on a bit of a streak. Oh, well, I, I was watching a little bit of Miami-L.A. yesterday afternoon, licking my wounds from this game we're going to eventually discuss. And Jason Sanders is an example. The kicker for Miami has been hot. He made, I think, entering that game 17 of 17 uh, kicks this year. And they kept saying, he hasn't missed all year. And you're just thinking in the back of your mind, every time they say that, he's going to fucking miss. It's coming. They're going to jinx his ass. That's what I thought of. Yesterday, entering the game constantly when you kept hearing that narrative of eight wins in a row. I kept thinking, like, God damn, please stop saying it. Because <laughs> we know how these division games are. We know how this team is. They seem to play down to the competition. So, 
It, 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 it by no means was it a gimme, right? And there, lo and behold, you blink and we're down fourteen to three early, <laughs> because fucking why aren't we? So, you know, second half comes. Boston Scott, uh, Baby Yoda comes out. He busts off a fifty-six yard touchdown run to open the second half. A two-point conversion makes it fourteen eleven. Okay, we got ourselves a game. And where I really want to start getting into it is Corey Clement eventually. So the Giants will score. Now we find ourselves down. Corey Clement, nice to see him involved, uh, punches it in. Touchdown for Corey Clement. Makes the score 21-17. Giants 21, Birds 17. So simple. And I am not math guy. I'm not math guy. But. You trot out Jake there, have him kick the extra point. You're now behind a field goal. There is there is no reason to go for two there, none. And I'm for okay if 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 it helps you, yes, you go for two, fine. We know how Doug Peterson is. But when you're down 21-17, what there is more of a disadvantage for going for two there than there is an advantage, and there's the whole you know oh well, if he makes it you're a genius if you no you're still a dumbass there is there is no advantage to going for the two point conversion there none all you have to do is trot out Jake Elliott make it a three point game now now you make your life easier potentially you know defensively and offensively if you find yourself in a spot because the defense couldn't stop anybody. All day. Danny Dimes is out there running around like Lamar Jackson was last year. Wayne Gallman looked like fucking Saquon Barkley never tore his ACL. So, you know, you might not want to put yourself behind the eight ball, Doug. But because Doug Peterson is convinced that every time he goes for it on fourth down or every time he goes for a two-point conversion instead of an extra point, his dick gets bigger. We have to go for it, go for a two-point conversion when all you have to do is kick the extra point and make it a three-point game. That decision made zero sense there, none. This guy is trying to revolutionize a game that's been played for over 100 years. Over 100 years, and Doug Peterson's here trying to reinvent the wheel when his team is 3-4-1. and one. And scratching and clawing with a team that's two and seven. I'm all for risk. I get it. Play to win. Right, Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. But again, keep in mind, this is the same guy that weeks back punted against the Cincinnati Bengals to take a tie. Now, that tie could end up being beneficial. I get it. But you cannot, like we've said, you cannot punt in that situation and then come out and go for two here. It's bipolar. It makes zero sense. It becomes clear to you in that moment that Doug Peterson's ego is fucking this team. Straight up. And, of course, it ends up it's a loss. 27-17 is your final score. The Birds are sitting here at 3-5-1, and one, a half game up. Still in first place, fucking hell, of this terrible division, a half game up of the Giants. And, 
you look at yesterday's game, <clears throat> 0 for 9 on third down. Nine third down attempts, you can't convert one. The only time the chains kept moving on third down is when the Giants committed penalties. You cannot, that is not sustainable. You can't, you, you've got to convert third downs to stay on the field, man. This is not, I, I'm not, this isn't brain surgery I'm talking here. You cannot go 0 for 9 and expect to win a damn football game. Point blank. You can't do it. The positives of this is, you know, for all the Wentz people out there, and it kills you because every single time that that Wentz trots out at the beginning of the game, they highlight, you know, the the times he's been sacked and his interception numbers, and Carson Wentz has turned the ball over more than anybody, and he's been sacked more than anybody this year and all that other shit. You know, for whatever it's worth, popcorn fart. He didn't turn the ball over yesterday. So, I, you know, golf claps for my guy. And, and you know, as, as as you're thinking about all this, man, again, you're coming you're coming off a bye week. You're coming off a bye week against an inferior opponent. In theory, you would think. Fuck, maybe they're not. But you're coming off a bye week to play a team that you just played three weeks ago. You're going with 90 minutes off up the road on 95. This is not some cross-country trip to fucking goddamn Glendale, Arizona. You're going up 95. That's it. Up the turnpike. You're there. It's a de facto home game, kind of. There's nobody in MetLife Stadium. You don't even have to deal with a, a hostile 20% capacity COVID crowd. You're there. And you come off a bye and you look like that. And I just I, I couldn't help but think. As you watch Big Red and everything he's doing in Kansas City, and again, I get the, the the rosters are different, and he's got more talent there, but let's remember, and I know Andy Reid kind of went down in flames here, but I was an Andy Reid guy. This is well before this podcast started. I, it, it, you never saw an Andy Reid coach team come out looking that unprepared after a bye, save for maybe his final season, which I think was the only time he was in Philly, 14 years, that he lost coming off a bye. That's it. Other than that, he was undefeated coming off a bye week in this town. So, and and I thought back to that because that was a stat you knew coming off a bye with Andy Reid, what you were going to get. And again, last year year he was here, there was a lot of stuff going on. I take that last year Andy Reid was in Philly and get it out of here. That's not part of the sample size. But he never, an Eagles team never looked that ill-prepared coming off a bye week when you have two weeks to prepare for a team. When the Giants were just in a slugfest with the football team two week, you know, the last week, they're coming off of that. You're rested, had two weeks to prepare. You played them the week before. You went on the bye, and that's how you look. It's inexcusable. So to take it a step further with Andy Reid, and again, this is all travel with me for a minute down this hypothetical road. I just kept thinking as this Doug Peterson versus Carson Wentz thing continues to be a narrative. I couldn't help but think, as I'm thinking about Andy's bye week record in Philly, what would what would how would Carson Wentz look under Andy Reid? I would love to see Carson Wentz under Andy Reid. I would fucking love it because 
you look at this offense and you look at just just it's the same thing every week. The play calling and it, it, it you know you you get the offense gets in a rhythm a little bit. Now let's bring in Jalen Hurts and you snap him the ball and he goddamn fumbles. And when he doesn't fumble when he's in there, you call the same shit every time so you know if you're the defense what's coming. But Doug thinks because he called the Philly special two years ago that that gives him carte blanche to just keep doing dumb shit week after week after week and then be surly to reporters in press conferences that ask him tough questions and hold his feet to the fire when they deserve to be held to the fire because he fucking sucks. He is not what everybody thought he was. That, the brains behind that, is in Indianapolis now. More on that later. But again, this idea of Doug Peterson as a play caller is 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 embarrassing. I get and I love Jeff Lurie as an owner. The fact that he's not meddling Jerry Jones, I love Jeff Lurie. He has done amazing things for this franchise. He cares. Love the guy. But I wish he would get more hands-on and go, yo, Doug, you can't – enough of this shit every week. Enough. Because you've got a guy – if, if you're Peterson, who looks like he's fucking aged a decade in, in you know, nine, ten weeks of football, you've got a guy there in Deuce Staley who has been on this coaching staff for years, who played running back for this city for years, has been on this staff since Andy Reid. Why he doesn't draw more attention for a head coach every year, I don't understand. Actually, I do understand the reason why, and I'll just throw it out there. It's because he's not white, and the NFL, for some reason, is just petrified of the idea of black head coaches, hence the Rooney rule. That's a conversation for another day, but be that as it may, why else would a, co- would a guy like Deuce Staley not get more attention as a head coach? Honestly. But if you've got a guy like that on your coaching staff that has been around for years that understands the talent and the schemes and everything that you have available at your disposal, hey, Deuce, look, this shit is killing me. I'm tired of being under attack here. I'm going to give you carte blanche. I'll call the plays for the first half. You call them for the second half or whatever. Let Deuce work some in. He's been there long enough. This guy has paid his dues. Andy Reid did the same for Doug Peterson in Kansas City. Let him call a half of plays. And Andy Reid had the resume to where he could tell Doug Peterson to piss up a rope. But Andy Reid did it for him, which allowed Doug Peterson to grow and therefore get this job as a head coach and ultimately win a Super Bowl and then plummet back down to earth, which is what we get right now. Doug Peterson should have a responsibility ethically, morally within himself to pay it forward and see that his shit is not working and go, man, something's got to change. Something's got to change. And let me look now deep within myself as the leader of this team and look in the mirror and have that that self-assessment, self-evaluation that is hard as fuck to do, but you got to do it sometimes in life. We've all done it. If you're of a certain age, you should anyway. They suck, they're awkward, they're uncomfortable. But hey, man, 
And we're not head coaches of an NFL team. I've had them. I'm not. I'm just a fat dude with a podcast. Right? But you got it starts with him. It starts with him. It's the same thing. You can't take Look, man, I've never been an NFL coach. The high, I've, I coached rec league football here in Hampton, Virginia, okay? That is not very high on the pantheon of fucking prestige, all right? But at that level, even, you figure out you halftime adjustments. You, 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 you change your game plan based on scenarios and situations you find yourself in. It ain't hard, Every now and then you get a game flow and you go, man, okay, you've got, again, as somebody's coached before, I get it, not on that level, but you have your philosophies, your beliefs, shit that you believe in. Sometimes it just doesn't work. And you've got to call an audible and go in a different direction. Doug Peterson is unwilling to do that. He's unwilling to do that. When you've got Miles Sanders entering yesterday's game, Leading the league with 6.1 yards a carry entering yesterday's game, having missed two games, entered yesterday's game with 6.1 yards in attempt. That was the best in the league entering yesterday. And, and, and you're giving this guy the ball 12, 9, 10, 15 times. He had 15 carries yesterday. That game was never out of reach yesterday. There is no fucking reason why Carson Wentz should be throwing the ball 40 to 45 times a game. There is no reason why. None. That game was never out of reach. We're not talking 35 to 3. We're talking 14 to 3. That's a two-score game. Give your defense a rest, pound the ball, the same things we've said over and over again here. He's just unwilling to commit to running the ball. There is no reason why a guy like Miles Sanders should be getting less than 20 carries a game. You're pulling him off the field and putting little Boston Scott in there to plunge him up the middle. Why? Why? Run the hell out of out of Miles give Miles Sanders would be an elite running back on any other team in this league that was willing to run the ball and not abandon it. But Peterson can't help himself. You gotta, he's gotta throw the ball so much. And when you could see again, this comes back to the responsibility of a head coach. Know your players. When you can see visibly that your franchise quarterback that you're paying thirty three million a year, when you could see he's going through mental mind fucks, because you could see it bothers Carson. His performance. He's visibly frustrated. Again, he is not without blame either. Trying to hit a home run on every play. Man, make his life easy. Make his life easy. Take some pressure off him. Look, man, hey, I'm going to come out here this drive. We're going to hand the ball off. Let, we're going to play action. I'm going to let you find a groove. All right? Just relax, man. Relax. Just hand the ball off to 26. We got this. Okay? It's his job to take the heat off of 11 and to put him in s- – s- uh, situations to be able to succeed. Doug Peterson has done nothing to help dig Carson Wentz out of this. He's helped him dig further into this abyss he finds himself in and feeds all the trolls on the internet that just want to be lazy and say he sucks. 
So Doug Peterson makes an appearance, as he does every every Monday morning, uh, on 94 WIP up in Philly, Angelo Cataldi in the morning team show. Uh, and he comes out and he says, I'm pissed off. I'm pissed off at myself. I'm pissed off at the way we played. Well, yeah, no shit. You know, so are the rest of us. Coach, we're tired of hearing the same shit every week. Again, if it, this, this was the game last night, yesterday, where the excuses are done. You're starting to get guys back. They're... You can't go, oh, hey, we're playing with, you know, Travis Fulgham's our best player and and he's ODU practice squad from the pack. No, that shit's done now, man. You're starting to get your people. Dudes are coming back. Ah. Fucking Christ. Cataldi also asked him if this was the most frustrated he's ever been as Eagles head coach. Doug Peterson replied without a doubt. Well, dumbass, if it's the most frustrated you've ever been as Eagles head coach, again, don't you think you should fucking do something different? Then you go out the same week and it's the same shit every week without fail. Without fail. So I put out uh, on Instagram, at Grease Pole Podcast, give me your guys' feedback on on what – because it's clear – Change needs to be made in this organization. It's obvious. Where do you? I'm, I'm not doing the blame game thing, but let's just say, okay, you got to part ways with one. Where do you go and why? What's the issue with this team? My guy J.R. Pena says, boots to asses on Dougie P and his dumbass play calling duties, all caps, so you know he's yelling, I'm sick of it. And as far as the quarterback, I'm checked out. Either or have to go, and if I see number two out there for another obvious RPO play, I will throw this brand-new phone through my goddamn TV. Uh, Always roll with an old phone, JR, because if you throw it, you don't have as much money in it. I still got an iPhone 8, and I'm going to roll with it until this damn thing dies because if I break it, who gives a shit? There's no monthly payments involved necessarily on the phone itself, so always stay with the burner. Um especially as an Eagles fan, when all those things you just said are true because you're going to want to throw shit. You're going to want to pound your liver and, and tap it out and put it in a crippler crossface, proverbially. It, it, I don't know why I just went Benoit there, but, you know, hey, I don't know. Murder's on the mind, I guess. <laughs> Fucking hell. But <laughs> you think I would have went sharpshooter as a Bret Hart guy, you know? <laughs> I guess, you know? I guess I want to kill Doug Peterson is what I'm saying. I probably shouldn't have put that out there because now <laughs> if something happens to him. This is so bad. <laughs> Things were going good until now. I'm done reading people off Instagram. But no, it it look, man, it, it the the play calling's got to go. I'm I'm not checked out on Carson. Uh it, it, and I'm it, it, Captain Carson. I plant my flag with 11, man. It is what it is. But I I, I don't think Jalen Hurts is the answer. I don't when you can't even handle a snap. I don't know if it's jitters or what, man, but at the end of the day, Christ almighty, man, uh, the play calling every week is, and I hate to hand, you know, just nail on that, but, you know, just fuck, dude. Change it up, Doug. Change it up. Sam Fortunato says, Doug's got to go. Fix the coach before you fix the quarterback. I think they need an entirely new front office. Also, this organization needs change top down. Uh, I Again, I tend to agree. I don't think – and I'll say this, I, I'm not calling for Peterson's head as the head coach yet. Uh, you know, all things considered, Super Bowl did just happen two, three-ish years ago, which feels like a fucking decade at this point. But 
I'm not against unless you can somehow con the Chiefs into you know we'll give you a first rounder and Doug for Andy Reid. If you can do that, fucking a, by all means do it. Uh, but I, I, Lori's not. We need to accept now. Jeff Lori is not firing Doug Peterson. That's not happening unless a complete mutiny happens. That's just not going to happen. Look how, look 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 how long Andy got. And Andy deserved what he got. You know, in terms of the the tenure he was allowed to stick around. Um, Doug Peterson's not going anywhere. What needs to happen is he does need to relinquish play calling duties. That or Jeff Laurie has to step in and tell him you don't have a fucking choice because you clearly cannot do this effectively. Lightning in a bottle's happened before, but this is not. It, other people have gone elsewhere now. You need to give this up because your ego is ruining this fucking team and your necessity to keep constantly throwing the ball for the love of God, that run plays. I mean, he, he he plays a game like a 10-year-old plays a game of Madden. Doug Peterson does. That's how he calls a game. No runs, no punts, go for it on every fourth down, two-point conversions all the time. Because a 10-year-old, you know what they don't know a whole lot of? How the game of football works. <laughs> and this guy's our fucking head coach. He's won a Super Bowl. This thing won a Super Bowl. And now look, and now look, I'll say uh, Howie Roseman too, man, and I've, I've been a guy that's sung his praises in the past, but I think you, you're starting to see uh, there's been some misses in the draft at, at costly places that uh, are definitely affecting this team. Uh, you know, and, and things could potentially be different now, you know, for sure. But notice one thing that came out. Uh, since previous episode, and I'll say this for the people that doubt Carson Wentz. I think everybody agrees the fact that a big reason why this offense is not the way it is, it was, you know, Super Bowl year, is because after that, Frank Reich left, the offensive coordinator. He's now the head coach in Indianapolis, and, you know, they're not necessarily lighting the league on fire, but they are 6-3. and three. And he's 6-3 and three with a, 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 a team on offense that is less talented than this team has. Now, they have a fantastic offensive line, as do the Birds when healthy, which the Colts have been along the offensive line. Quentin Nelson's a monster. But Phillip Rivers, is Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than Phillip Rivers. If you don't believe that, get the hell out of here, okay? I get Phillip Rivers just came into, you know, fifth you know all-time in passing yardage. But, you know, that's that doesn't amount to a hill of beans anymore because it just it is what it is. Uh... Frank Wright came out and said, yeah, fuck, if they want to trade Carson Wentz, fuck, I'll take him. If that right there doesn't tell you how well Carson is respected around the league in terms of talent, you don't get that with just anybody. You don't. If Carson was a scrub, like, internet, you know, message board, internet comment guy, thought he was, you think fucking Frank Wright would come out when he they just brought in Phillip Rivers – and they're in first place in the division, you think he'd come out and say, yeah, no, we take him. No. No. That's what the guy that that everybody says he's the missing link. When he left, the offense started to slowly dissipate, and I agree. But if 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 that guy is now saying he would take Carson Wentz and then you're going to say, oh, Wentz is the problem, you're, it, you're not – don't press send. Don't press send. 
Don't tweet drunk or whatever. But you're contradicting yourself. And, again, there's a reason why Carson Wentz is as respected as he is around this league because he is that damn good. And I promise you, if for whatever reason this team does end up parting ways with him, hey, yeah, they could get a haul for him because teams know how fucking good he is. And you put him on a team like in Indianapolis, uh, like a Minnesota, and watch what he will do. Watch what he'll do. Cleveland, if they punt on Baker. I'm telling you, man, Doug Peterson, in my opinion, is the problem on this team. He needs to give these play-calling duties up. He is now, at this point, hindering the development. Carson Wentz is going backwards because of Doug Peterson. And again, I get it. Wentz has to get rid of the ball. He has to have better pocket awareness. Live to fight another play. I completely agree with all that. I've said it before. But you have to come to terms with the fact that the head coach is not helping him. He's putting him in disadvantageous situations. Therefore, you get the product you get on Sundays. What say you? How hot is the seat on Doug Peterson or Carson Wentz? Either or, give me your opinion on Instagram at Greasepole Podcast. As always, your opinion, your feedback is always welcome. I try to respond to as many as possible, but I do have a day job. So uh, at the end of the day, if this thing grows, I can tell the people at my day job to kiss my ass, which is uh, which would be ideal. So uh, curious to hear your opinions on Instagram at Grease Pole Podcast. Uh, that's just my take, man. I, I, I go through it every Sunday, and, and it drives me nuts watching these play calls and just the goofiness on the thirds and the fourth and ones. And, you know, I mean, it, it, you can only bang your head against a brick wall, but, but for so long. You know what I mean? Before you just, you know, you're left with what you're, what you're left with. And I feel like that's what this is. This team has become borderline unwatchable, but – you know, look, man, I'm not going anywhere. The diehards aren't going anywhere, man. And that shit like this is what made the Super Bowl a couple years ago so goddamn special. Because you, you, and at the same time, it kind of raised our entitlement a little bit, right? Because you think, I know I thought, man, we got like a, maybe a five to seven year run in this where we can get a couple more. Now you're faced with, again, that self evaluation, self assessment we talked about. Man. Maybe maybe we got lightning in a bottle. We got that one, and nobody can ever take Super Bowl 52 away from us. That's for damn sure. We're on to Cleveland next week. Uh, schedule does not get any easier, folks. It's actually the toughest in the league. Uh, Cleveland, Seattle, Green Bay, New Orleans, uh, maybe not in that order, but that's who's left. The worst, the toughest schedule left in the NFL, sitting at 3-5 and five and in first place by half a game in the NFC least. Jesus Christ. So let's see next week what happens against the Cleveland Browns. That should be fun. Just kidding. You know, hopefully it's a dub and, you know, we can be one game under 500 again and, you know, who knows. We'll go from there. But nonetheless, either way, win or lose, I will see you back here next week for episode 30 of the Grease Pole Podcast. This has been episode 29. Appreciate you taking part. Win or lose, happiness or depression, for better or for worse. As always, fucking go birds. Yo, how'd Barkley put it? <laughs> Looking like another grease pole night in Philly. 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 Philly.